We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. What is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. Going solo today, and I'm doing that for the back half of lowlighting and highlighting the 2022 Buffalo Bills season. On Monday, uh, I did the top 10 biggest sore spots of the 2022 Buffalo Bills season. Today, much more of an upbeat episode. We're going to focus on the 10 biggest bright spots from the 2022 Buffalo Bills season. Uh, People and moments that did their part to make this season great. This is going to be an audio-only episode today, not going to be on YouTube. Um, If you're a new listener to the show, or if you're a returning listener who hasn't done so yet, I humbly ask that you go and follow the show on the audio side. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, iHeart, all the platforms. Just hit the follow button on whatever platform that you choose. It is as simple as that. New episodes will get sent right to your computer or to your phone, wherever you listen to the podcast. Also on the YouTube side, even though this particular episode is not on YouTube, go to the Talking Buffalo YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe to that as well. Um, Most full episodes, full length episodes are on YouTube. In addition to that, what you'll see on YouTube that you won't hear on the audio side are certain clips from these episodes, highlight clips as well as some live streams that we're going to be doing really soon, uh, some watch alongs, other stuff like that. So make sure you please go on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. When you watch the video, hit the like button. It really, really helps with the YouTube algorithms. I used to think that was bullshit, but it's not. It really does make a difference and I've seen it uh, firsthand. But anyway, Like I said, make sure you always follow on the audio side because it's the only way that you're going to hear every single episode for sure in its entirety. Again, thanks, guys. The support with this show has been great. means a lot. And speaking of a lot, I got a lot that I want to get to today and I don't want to take up too much of your time. So let's just jump right into it again. On Monday, we did the biggest sore spots. Today, 
top 10 Buffalo Bills biggest bright spots for the 2022 season. We're off and running here. Let's get this going at number 10. And by the way, I should say this too. This is not a poll. This was not me talking to media people, podcasters, colleagues, peers, anything like that, fans. This is just my own personal opinion, my own top 10 list of bright spots, things that went right for the Bills this past season. Number 10, Greg Rizzo took a step. Now, I wouldn't call it a gargantuan step for the 2021 first round pick, but Greg Rizzo definitely took a step in a positive direction in his second season with the Buffalo Bills this past year. Uh, Rizzo finished with eight sacks. He was tied with Von Miller for the team lead. And that's despite Greg missing three games as well uh, with a sore ankle. He also improved against the run, an area I think he's very underrated at. I think Greg Rizzo is a good run defender. He's really good at setting the edge. And he had 10 tackles for a loss, two above his rookie season. Now, to be fair, Greg Rizzo should by no means be considered like any kind of finished product. Uh, the kid needs to improve significantly more than where he's at right now if he wants to become a true star defensive end in this league. And to be fair, the ankle injury probably hampered him to some extent, but that notwithstanding, it looked like Rizzo hit a little bit of a, a wall near the end of his second year in the league, especially without Vaughn Miller in the lineup. That hurt him a lot, Vaughn Miller not being on the opposite side. Clearly, that meant more attention being paid to Greg Rizzo. And he only ended up mustering up one sack over his last five games, if you include the playoffs. Uh, speaking of the playoffs, I mean, Rizzo was a complete non-factor. Now, he wasn't alone when it comes to that, at least against Cincinnati. The defense as a whole played well against Miami. But against Cincinnati, just outside of one guy who we're going to talk about in a few minutes, uh, that the whole defense was a complete non-factor. So it's not just Rizzo. So again, there's still ton of room for improvement and, and with so many question marks around A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham going forward, I think it's crucial for the Bills' success that uh, Greg Rizzo continues on a, a positive trajectory. But all in all, I thought it was a really solid uh, second campaign for Greg Rizzo. Number nine, this rookie class flashed plenty of promise. Now, you'll never tell by looking at the 2022 season box scores. But I think Brandon Bean in this front office did a pretty good job with last year's draft. I think it's one that you'll see three regular starters starting next this coming season in 2023. Maybe a fourth very much in the mix as well. Before we get to the good, let's get to the bad. Terrell Bernard was taken in the third round. And to me, and I know maybe I'm being premature, I'm jumping the gun. Lots of things happen in player development over the course of the first few years. But right now, that just looks like a really bad pick to me. Rookie or not, I didn't like that he was surpassed on the depth chart by both Tyrell Dotson and A.J. Klein uh, by the end of the season. If anything, I can understand that early on. And then later, as the season goes on, he would get more snaps or move up the depth chart. Didn't happen. Went the opposite way. In fact, Terrell Bernard wasn't even active for the playoffs. That ain't promising, folks. I think he's undersized. I think he's like 6'1", 220, if that. He's got a long way to go to show he's going to be anything more than like a special teams slash bottom of the roster type guy. And then, of course, you had Matt Ariza, a.k.a. Punk God, who, you know, without revisiting that whole story too much here, you already know about all that anyway. Apparently, it was a huge piece of shit. And ultimately, 
he got cut. Not a big deal. The Bills signed Sam Martin, and he was perfectly fine as the punter, so they relieved themselves that headache. But anyway, didn't take long to write that off as a bad draft pick. But even with those two misses, I still like this class a lot. I really do. Kyrie Elam was, was a first-rounder. He battled injuries. I think he battled confidence in himself. I think he had to withstand confidence, a lack of confidence, I should say, from the coaches for a lot of 2022. But I'll tell you what, he came out really good by the end of the season, and I feel really good about him going into 2023. I think he goes into training camp this summer as a starter alongside Trey White, something we hoped would happen last year. Uh, James Cook, second-round pick. I think he's a good running back. I like him a lot. He had 507 yards rushing, uh, and then he had 21 catches for 180 yards receiving. Despite Ken Dorsey, by the way, like criminally underusing him in the passing game. I think sometime in March when free agency starts, I think Devin Singletary is going to leave. He's going to walk. He's going to find another team to play for. Uh, maybe a team that might pay him more, value him a little bit more. So I think he's going to be gone. And I think James Cook becomes the featured guy in the Bills' backfield next year with Naheem Hines behind him because he's under contract as well. I know already there's mock drafts flowing around where the Bills might draft a running back in the first round. I'm like, <laughs> that ain't happening, man. James Cook is a, a good player who can become a great running back potentially in this offense if he's used right and given more opportunities. I'm really excited about him. And then Khalil Shakir, fifth rounder last year, had a hard time getting on the field, and he had a harder time making an impact when he was on it for much of the season. But that said, I feel like when it comes to Khalil Shakir, there's a lot of meat on that bone with him. And I thought he came on late. He had three catches for 51 yards in the playoff win against Miami. He had two catches for 40 yards in the loss to Cincinnati. I think it's unlikely that Cole Beasley or Jameson Crowder are back next year. And I'm extremely unsure what's going to happen with Isaiah McKenzie. Now he's under contract, but the Bills could save like $2.4 million were they to cut him. I don't think Khalil Shakir is going to go into camp handed the job already as the starting receiver, but I think he's got a really great chance to wrestle that starting slot job away uh, this coming season. I like him plenty. And you know, and I also like six-round uh, cornerback Christian Benford. In fact, he actually beat out Kyrie Elam the first round pick in training camp. I can see Bedford in the mix. If not the starter, maybe he's the third quarter for the Bills because I'm assuming that Dane Jackson won't be back in that scenario. Dane Jackson's a restricted free agent. I mean, if the Bills tender him, pretty much ensures Dane is back. But I can see a scenario where if they like Bedford and they want him to stay at corner, there's your third corner. You let Dane Jackson walk. You save a couple million bucks right there. Or... I could see uh, Christian Benford being converted to safety. You know, that, in fact, that's something that Sean McDermott confirmed himself as a possibility during a press conference. Again, not great rookie production for this class, but nonetheless, it's a class that I like an awful lot going forward. Uh, continuing here, number eight. Taquan Jones was an excellent free agent pickup. The Bills lost Harrison Phillips in the offseason uh, to the Minnesota Vikings and Starlo Tutele to retirement. I, I, I think he retired anyway. Uh, so the Bills plucked Daquan Jones off the free agent market from the Carolina Panthers and, and a game a two-year deal, $14 million bucks, including about $10.6 of that was guaranteed. I'll tell you what, it's a pretty damn good bargain. 
I thought Daquan Jones gave the Bills, quite frankly, what Starred Latutale really did. A quality run lane clogging defensive tackle who could take on blockers, make life easier for Tremaine Edmonds. And he did it with consistency. Something again, Starr Latutale and Harrison Phillips and those guys before him did not do. And he only got two sacks, but at least he put he put pressure on the quarterback. So throw out those two sacks. He also had 38 tackles, three tackles for a loss. But again, don't let these stats fool you because I know they sound pedestrian. His 11 quarterback hits at the season were only three less than Ed Oliver. Daquan Jones was very good. And his presence was badly, and I mean badly, missing that playoff blowout loss to, uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I thought going into this season over the summer, he signed Daquan for two years that maybe he's here for just one, and then the Bills find a way to you know, get out of that deal after the 22 season. I'll tell you what, I think he's a pretty indisposable player right now at this roster. His backup fellow free agent signing last year, Tim Settle, he didn't impress me much at all, to be quite honest with you. I was, uh, in fact, quite frankly, a little bit disappointed with his play this year. I heard time and time again when he was with Washington that it was all about opportunity. And when he had a better opportunity, he would really shine. I'm not saying Tim Settle played like shit, he had his moments, but there wasn't consistency there. I, I expected a little bit more from him. Uh, Jordan Phillips is, is a free agent and a, and a guy who just couldn't seem to stay healthy for the Bills, which I know was a theme for a lot of guys. And, you know, I talked about on Monday, I just, I'm not sold on Ed Oliver very much. So Daquan Jones was a, a big, big bright spot for the Bills. And I think it was a huge score for, for Brandon Bean uh, this past March. Wanted to make a quick announcement, some actual news involving this show. Starting on Thursday night, February 23rd, and then each Thursday after, Talking Buffalo will be taped live from Imperial Pizza. Uh, Going to get together with a different guest or multiple guests every week and just talk shop. I'm really excited about this series. You know, it's just a different vibe when you get a chance to sit down with somebody face-to-face in person and have a conversation. And it's pretty cool when there's people sitting around the bar, tables around the restaurant, um, listening and watching to what you're doing. Makes for a fun environment. So anyway, we're going to do the show each week at 7.30 p.m. And also noteworthy is that for the first time literally ever since Talking Buffalo has launched, uh, the show's going to be live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can either watch it live in person at Imperial Pizza. You can watch it live from the internet at home or wherever on Thursday nights. Or, of course, it'll also be available in audio podcast form uh, overnight Thursday into Friday mornings, like always. I'm going to kick things off on the 23rd with one of the very best sports writers, not even just in Buffalo, anywhere in the country. Also, one of the best dudes in all the sports media business. Tyler Dunn is going to be with me. I'm really excited about that. So if you're looking for something to do on a Thursday night, come up to Imperial Pizza. By the way, the address is 1035 Ever Road in South Buffalo. Uh, grab yourself some wings. By the way, wings are elite there. Pizza's very good. They got a ton of good stuff on their menu. So grab a bite. Suck down a pint of beer or two at the bar. Plenty of booths and tables as well. And come check out a taping of Talking Buffalo. Again, I'm really excited for this series. Should be a lot of fun. Coming in at number seven, you know, before I get to number seven, I, I have to say this. In fact, sometimes when I do these solo shows, it really reminds me, hats off, man, the guys like 
Joe Marino from Locked On Bills and and uh, Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive. You guys who do these solo, you do an incredible job. These are so hard to do. Whether it's physically just being able to keep up talking for 30, 40, 50 minutes nonstop or just being the solo person and not having somebody to, you know, go back and forth with. I don't know. I just find it incredibly hard. I think it's useful and productive to do some of these episodes solo from time to time because I don't want them to become 90 minutes or two hour episodes, but man, they're hard to do. At least they are for me. And some of these guys like Joe and and Bruce, you know, and, and others out there who do great bills content. It's just, it's second nature for them to do solo, but really hard for me. So anyway, my hats are off to them. Moving on with the countdown, I'm at number seven, and I went with Tremaine Edmonds, had his best season. Look, Tremaine has long been one of the most polarizing figures on this team, especially over the past couple of years or so. They, there just doesn't seem to be like any middle ground when it comes to fans. You either, you love yourself some Tremaine Edmonds, and you want him around for a long time, or you think the boy is overrated as shit, man, and you you just you don't want to see him here. You don't want him to get that long-term extension. Let somebody else overpay him, man. Now, in fairness to the detractors out there, I haven't been huge on Tremaine myself, at least going into the season. I'm just being honest here, man. Going into the season, especially, you know, I, I feel like he's a guy, or at least I did feel like he was a guy who could run fast. You know, he's pretty good in covering space. Not pretty good. He's very good in covering space, like in pass coverage because of his speed. He racks up tackle numbers. Though, like I've said a million times before, tackles could be such a hugely overrated statistic. I just, more than anything else, I, I, I feel like Tremaine Edmonds has lacked splash plays. You know, whether it's a sack or, or forced fumble or fumble recovery, uh, a tackle behind the line of scrimmage, an interception, a pick six, maybe even hit, just even hitting the quarterback, man. It's just, again, I consider him a, a pretty good player. I mean, never thought he was garbage. I've always thought he's a pretty good player, but nothing special at all. Now, I think that said, firing away, Tremaine had his best season of his career in 2022. Throughout the numbers, there was an aggression and a physicality to Tremaine Edmonds' game that we haven't previously seen. Certainly not with any consistency like we did this past season. To me, Jermaine Edmonds looked hungry. Now, of course, your boy knows he, he, he's a pen and free agent. I'm sure that had a little something to do with it. That payday's coming. He smell, he's, you know, he, he's smelling those bags. But 106 tackles, which again, whatever about tackles. Had a sack, six tackles for a loss, seven passes defending on the stat sheet. Again, really don't give a shit about the stat sheet. I saw my own naked eyes. And I'm no film guy. You know, you, you go to cover one, you want to see some really good film breakdowns of Tremaine and linebackers and lots of like intricate nuances and details that maybe I don't see. But what I saw is a very good linebacker. I saw a guy who along with Matt Milano were probably the most consistent unit on this football team this season. I'm talking about the linebackers. I don't really think it's close either, especially if you add Teron Johnson in there who technically is a corner but essentially he's a third linebacker. The Bills linebackers were great from the first game through the last game. Uh, Tremaine has now been in the league for five full seasons. He's still only in his mid-20s, and it feels to me like his play is actually ascending right now. Um, 
don't even know if he's hit his prime yet. You know, it sounds like it's coming together for him at just the right time. And for the Bills, it's going to be very expensive to bring him back. They could franchise tag him, but I do not think they're going to do that. I did earlier initially, but after talking to a couple guys, I don't think so anymore. Simply put, the Bills are going to have to pony up huge, man. If they don't do it and they don't tag him, somebody is going to pay Tremaine a shitload of money. It's going to happen. So if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, well, maybe he'll give the Bills a discount or maybe there's, there's not going to be another team around the league that's going to pay him a stupid amount of money. I think you're wrong. Because if the Bills don't pony up, somebody is going to. Someone is going to see the value, the age, and, and, and the skill set that he brings to a defense, and they're going to pay a lot of money. Brandon Bean is going to have some tough decisions to make. None more so than this one. You know, fans are going to have their opinion, including many who will think that Brandon Bean should use the money that Jermaine Evans is going to command and spend it elsewhere. We'll see how it plays out. But to me, what's undeniable is that Tremaine Edmonds had himself a career season and he's put himself in a really good position to uh, cash in for it over the next, and we'll find out, over the next few weeks. Coming in at number six, winning the close games. You know, one of the biggest knocks on the Buffalo Bills coming into the season, one that I brought on Twitter very often myself, I admit it, to some extent, it's an overrated I don't want to say overrated stat, but it, it's overrated to an extent. The cause of a lot of social media beef. The Bills' inability to pull out close games. The narrative, and, and to be fair, recent record had shown the Bills either run the opposition right out of the stadium because they're just that much better than who they're playing, or they lose close games to teams that hang tough to the very end and find a way to win in the fourth quarter, including the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills went 0-6 in one-score games in 2021. And they won 11 games last year, two years ago. And every game that they won was by at least a dozen points. There was not a team that they won against in 2021 that they did not beat by a dozen points. So you get to this year. In week three, they're in Miami. Now, <laughs> I'm sure most of you remember the game. Again, it was 10,000 degrees out. And half the team either didn't play or was playing hurt. I think the Bills were down in their third string center before that game was over. But anyway, the Bills lose to Miami by two points. And that gets the conversation rolling again. And if your team, the Bills, can't win close games, you can point to the fact that they lost three games this season by a grand total of eight points. But they also beat Baltimore by three on the road. They beat Kansas City by four on the road. They beat Cleveland on a neutral field by eight, one score. They beat the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving by three. They beat the Jets at home by eight. They beat Miami by a field goal in a late season rematch in Orchard Park. And then they beat Miami by a field goal again in the wild card round. You add that all up and that's seven one score wins, including the playoffs. So hopefully this is a narrative that can be put to bed for good. The Bills win a lot of games by a lot of points because they are a very good football team. And quite often, they're going to flex on you. That's the kind of team they are. They're a front-running team. They get that motor revved up. They get that engine going. 
they get out in front and it, you know they put their foot to the pedal and they blow you out. They're not in a lot of close games, but this past year proved it. Seven and three in one score games. Going forward, now we know they're very, very capable of winning these one score games. Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them. You're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back here counting down the top 10 biggest bright spots of the 2022 Buffalo Bills season. Coming in at number five, Jordan Poyer was the heart and soul of this Bills team. It was a tough year for Jordan Poyer, both physically and in other ways, but I don't think I've had more respect for a player on the Bills than I do Jordan Poyer over this past year in a pretty damn long time, if I'm being completely honest. Forget the physical injuries. Let's go back to the summer. This guy wanted a new contract, and quite frankly, Jordan Boyer deserved a new contract. He grossly outplayed the deal that he signed for. He held out a mandatory minicamp, and it looked like this was going to be a, a problem going into training camp. It looked like it might be a, a long holdout and adversity that this team, who was a Super Bowl favorite the entire offseason, was the last thing in the world 
that they needed. And it especially looked like that might be the case when Jordan Poyer hired Drew Rosenhaus. Again, it's adversity. The Bills, they didn't want it. They didn't need it. It never ended up materializing. Thankfully, Jordan, he ended up getting, like, I think, a 2022 raise instead of a multi-year deal he was seeking. But from day one of training camp, showed up, and through the entire season, his contract was never once an issue when it came to Jordan Poyer, his heart, and his commitment to this football team. Now, what was the problem was this year being a year where injuries just completely ravaged this all-pro safety's body. I mean, really. He suffered a, a hyperextended elbow in training camp. He sprained a foot in the week two win over the Tennessee Titans. He had a rib injury that was actually a collapsed lung in week four. Uh, just two weeks later, he ended up playing in Kansas City. Anyway, he tore some meniscus in, in his knee in like, uh, I think it was week 14. And then to top it all off, ended the season by getting himself a concussion in the playoff loss to Cincinnati. So without a contract, without any security beyond this season, it would have been really easy for Jordan Poyer at some point with all these injuries to just shut it down. In fact, he could have did it multiple times. He could have put himself before the team, got his body fully healthy, did not risk anything further, potential career-ending injuries, you know, that could have jeopardized his offseason and what's likely going to be his last significant payday that he gets for his career. But that's not what happened, man. Jordan Poyer played through the pain. Him and his, his family, his wife, Rachel, the kid, they literally drove 15 hours each way so he could play in that Kansas City game when he couldn't fly because of the lung. And by the way, all things considered with all the injuries, Jordan Boyer did not play bad. He played pretty damn well. He had four interceptions in 12 games. And by the way, you want to hear a stat, one that I think matters because wins matter, right? The Bills were literally 12-0 and during the regular season in games that Jordan Player played and 1-3 and in games that he didn't. Now, sure, there's lots of other factors that go into those wins or losses. It's not just because Jordan Boyer showed up and played or he didn't play, but you can't deny the positive impact that Jordan Boyer being on the field makes for the Buffalo Bills. By the end of the season, Jordan Boyer, was, he was physically spent and beat up to the point where it showed big time against the Bengals. Where he was, Jordan Boyer, that game was merely a shell of himself because he had so many physical limitations. And again, he got a concussion that game as well. But man, all the credit in the world to that dude for fighting through and battling it out. What a warrior Jordan Boyer has turned out to be. And ain't nobody blaming him for, you know, not playing well against Cincinnati, nor should they. Because again, the guy's a warrior, a trooper. He's the absolute heart and soul of the 2022 Buffalo Bills. And while I personally, and I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, I, I think he's gone when free agency starts because I don't think the Bills can afford him. And I think that it only takes one team to, to pony up big money for a two- or three-year deal. So my expectation with the Bills' salary cap situation and them probably making a younger Tremaine Edmonds their top priority and needing a little bit of help here and there with some death pieces, nothing else. I don't think they could afford to bring back Jordan Poyer. And boy, oh boy, do I hope I'm wrong, man. It would be an amazing surprise to me, at least, if Brandon Bean found a way to bring this guy back for another run. I am perpetually impressed with Jordan Poyer, the way he played on the field, the way he conducted himself off the field, not even just playing through the injuries, but just 
his presence in the community. It is such a, a ray of sunshine. And I know it might sound corny, but I'm being real here, man. He's a ray of sunshine. When there's so many shitty athletes out there, so many people who only care about showing up, doing their job and getting their money. Jordan Poyer goes above and beyond. He has been very open about his problems with alcohol. I think he's helped reach a lot of people because of that. And maybe some people out there are living their life differently because of messages and stuff like that from Jordan Poyer. Just a great dude, man. He really, truly, truly, for me, was the heart and soul of this Bills team. Anyway, let's move on here. Number four, Von Miller, dominant before his injury. You know, I remember when Von Miller signed with the Bills back on March 13th. I was at Imperial Pizza eating some food. The NFL Network was on TV, and reports came out that Von Miller was signing a six-year, $120 million deal with the Bills. I was like, yo, that shit is absolutely bananas. And we found out later, for all intents and purposes, it was really a three-year, $60 million deal. So I'm like, yeah, but still, man, I ain't gonna lie. I went into free agency. I wanted Chandler Jones. He was my guy, and I know a lot of other Bills fans felt the same way. Now, part of that, in hindsight, is because, quite honestly, I did not think Von Miller was a realistic possibility to, to come to Buffalo. I thought for sure, with the money he would command and just his career, I thought he would go back to the Rams or, or maybe to the Dallas Cowboys or maybe back to Denver. You know, money talks, man, though, and ended up in Buffalo. And you're skeptical, you know, about a defensive end who's in his 30s and if he's still able to be on top of his game. But lo and behold, man, Vaughn Miller was everything the Bills could have asked for on the field, off the field, and then some before he got hurt. He had two sacks, and we found out right away that he still got it. He had two sacks right away to start the season against his former team, the Rams, on a Thursday night football. He had two sacks in the big road win at Kansas City in week six. I mean, there it is right there, by the way. That win at Kansas City where Vaughn has two sacks, quite literally, those are the reasons why you go bring in Avon Miller. He's a guy who's going to get the quarterback down on the field at the biggest points of the biggest games. He had eight sacks through 10 games. He was looking every bit like the all-pro version of himself. A guy that's a surefire first ballot, Hall of Famer. It wasn't just his numbers either, by the way. It was his presence. And we saw afterwards, too. He clearly helped make Greg Rizzo a lot better. Not to mention the guys in the interior line. Now, sadly, that all went crumbling away on Thanksgiving when Von Miller tore his ACL against uh, the Detroit Lions. The Bills had a boatload of injuries before that and after that, but there's no question that that was the biggest one. Things might have been different had Vaughn not his tore his knee in the playoffs. Who knows? We'll never know. But And we'll see how he responds and, and when he's back. But that's another discussion for another time. The bottom line is this, pre-ACL tier, Vaughn was everything the Bills could have wanted and then some for 2022. Number three, folks, Matt Milano had his best season. We said this, uh, you know, a handful of minutes ago with Trey Edmonds. Let's just cut through like beating around the bush here. Matt Milano was absolutely an animal for the Bills in 2022, and he finally was rewarded for it. He was the lone Buffalo Bill to be named first team All-Pro awesome honor for an awesome player who had an awesome season. He was without a doubt the best and most consistent player on this defense and one of the best two or three players on the team this season as a whole. Lotto had 99 tackles on the season, including 72 solo, 
one and a half sacks. I'm reading off stats here. Two fumble recoveries, 12 tackles for a loss, seven quarterback hits, 11 passes defended, and three picks, including a pick six. And I should have had two because he dropped one. Anyway, the guy's just constantly all over the field, not just making plays, but making plays like when they seem to matter the most. When the defense made it, needed a stop and they would make a stop, if it wasn't Teron Johnson, it always seemed to be Matt Milano, one of those two guys. Now, I go back to that Bengals game, and quite literally, I thought Matt Milano was like the only bright spot on the team. He sacked Joey Burrow on third down in the second quarter, and then he also got his hand on a pass breakup on Jamar Chase that single-handedly saved the Bills four points, kept them within reasonable striking distance. Bottom line, Matt Milano was probably the only guy in this team, certainly the only guy on defense, that decided to show up in that wildcard round. He brought his A game. Many of his teammates, in fact, the majority of them, pretty much, at least physically, no-showed. Uh, he signed for two more years. He's got a cap number of about $13.3 million for next year, which, by the way, given his production and the salaries for other great linebackers around the league, Matt Milano almost seems like a bargain at this point. Now, it'll be interesting to see how you know things play out with Tremaine Edmonds over the next few weeks, but I'll tell you, man, one thing for sure is Matt Milano goes, so goes the Buffalo Bills defense. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're down to our final two here. Number two, Josh Allen continues to be an elite quarterback. You know, there's plenty to say about Josh Allen and the ugly turnovers. I talked about that earlier this week already, in fact. And it's been talked about plenty before that, and it'll be talked about plenty in the months to come. It's almost crazy to fathom, but in some ways it felt like Josh Allen regressed a little bit from 2021, and maybe even a little bit, oh, like disappointing. I'm at, I'm at a loss for it. Now, statistically, Josh's season was nearly identical to 2021. He threw for 4,283 yards. I got my stats here in front of me. Let me make sure. I do. Yeah, 4,283 yards he threw for last year, which is 124 less than 2021, but he played in one less game. He threw for 35 touchdowns this year, one less than the previous year, again, with one less game. 14 picks, which is actually one less than he threw the year before. He completed 63.3% of his passes, which is quite literally the exact same as the year before. His quarterback rating was higher this year than last. His QBR rating was higher this year than last. On the ground, he ran for 762 yards, one less than the year before. And again, one less game played. And he had seven rushing touchdowns, which was one more than 2021. 
It's almost like weird, ain't it? How similar Josh's 2022 was to his 2021. Yet we viewed the 21 season as so much more favorably, it seems, than we did this past year. Now, look, Josh was certainly not without warts in 2022, man. Those interceptions were largely ugly, especially in that three-game stretch against Green Bay, the Jets, and the Vikings. Uh, those last two, by the way, cost the team big time, the losses to the Jets and the Vikings. I mean, Josh Allen had his very fair share of blame in those losses, man. Um, so the picks, not taking what the defense gave him often enough. He made some bad decisions, and when you make enough bad decisions, bad things are, are going to happen. But look, all that said, dude is still an elite quarterback. That boy is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, period, and a story. Put it this way. Even if we all agree that Josh had a slightly down year in 2022 compared to the year before, you know, despite what the stats say, at best, you could say, okay, well, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Jalen Hurts had better seasons, right? Okay, literally, that's it, though. That'd still make Josh Allen a top-four quarterback in this league right now. Still a top-four guy, even if it's perceived that he was a little bit off this year. You know? And, oh, and by the way, maybe we could mention that he played a lot of the back half of the season with a goddamn injured elbow, and he admitted it that it affected him for a long stretch. <laughs> Look, Josh is a great player, man. He's a great leader for this team. I still have all the confidence in the world in him. You want Josh to be better? Get some freaking guys on the line or protect him better. Now, as long as Josh Allen's healthy enough to play and play on a level he did this year, just as he did last year and the year before that, the Bills will very much remain in the mix to win a Super Bowl. Josh Allen, despite his warts, we would all like to see him throw the ball away more maybe take less hits, uh, avoid the ugly turnovers for sure. But all that said, Josh Allen is still a very elite quarterback in the NFL. And this brings me to number one on the Bills' top 10 bright spots for 2022 is this. 13-3 and three is a great accomplishment. And look, I ain't no excuse kind of guy, especially with teams that are favored to win the Super Bowl, and then they don't even make it to the conference championship game. I'm just keeping it real with everyone. For me, 2022 was a Super Bowl or bust season, and they didn't even sniff the Super Bowl. That's a reality. So in a way, it's a bust. But that's the thing. Again, I'm not an excuse type of guy, but if there's ever a team that was assembled that deserves a pass for getting knocked out early, it's got to be the 2022 Buffalo Bills. I mean, it's just unbelievable the amount of adversity this team went through during the season and before the season. And there's just no way to understate that. I mean, you got your all-pro safety, Micah Hyde, is gone before the season even starts. He's gone days into training camp for the year. We already talked about Jordan Ployer. He played half his body was falling apart on him during the season, and he still played most of the season. Of course, and you got Vaughn Miller tearing his ACL. You got Trey White coming back from an ACL, who was out there physically, but... I wouldn't call it a successful return. He was noticeably lesser than what he was pre-injury. Now, next year, you know, full off season, I expect to see the old Trey. But anyway, 2022 Trey White was a shell of what he was before the injury. Uh, the defensive tackles, they just took turns being banged up all year. It's like Ed Oliver's healthy. Well, now Jordan Poyer or uh, Jordan Phillips isn't. And vice versa. And vice versa. And then Jones can't play in the playoff game. It was just injury after injury after injury. And of course, Josh Allen's elbow as well. 
But it's more than just that, too. Weather was a major factor. Look, they had to go to Detroit with barely any practice to play the Cleveland Browns after a significant snowstorm. And then they come home, and they have to go right back to Detroit again for a Thanksgiving game, which, of course, is the game that Vaughn tore his ACL in. You have a, a literal deadly blizzard, 40 people in Buffalo dead from a blizzard. From a football perspective, that alternated the Bills' practice, their travel routes. It just alternates everything that they do when they prepare for, for games. You know, you talk to these players, and I promise you, they're going to tell you repetition and routine is hugely important to them. Uncharacteristic weather, even by Buffalo's crazy weather standards, threw them off this year. And then, of course, you got the DeMar Hamlin incident in early January. I mean, that, to me, was the, that was the last straw. You know, that drained them physically, and it drained them emotionally. You know, it's one thing for us to, to watch a, a guy on TV or even if you're sitting in the stands at the stadium, you watch that happen. You feel frightened for a guy that you know as a football player. You know DeMar Hamlin is the football player as number three, the guy who plays safety for the Buffalo Bills. Imagine being close to the guy as a teammate and as a brother. That took a lot out of them emotionally and physically. You know, Matt Milano admitted it. And Matt Milano is not a guy to make excuses ever in the media. He admitted it after the season. They just, they ran out of energy. Josh Allen kind of said the same thing. They were running on fumes after what happened to DeMar in, in, uh, in Cincinnati. They beat the Patriots the next week on emotion, and they also beat the Patriots on two Naheem Hine uh, kickoff returns. They beat Miami in the wild card by only a field goal, despite Miami having some dude named Skylar Thompson playing quarterback. Not to mention Raheem Moser was out and other key guys from Miami were out. The Bills only won that by a field goal. In hindsight, we should have saw the signs in that this was a team that was completely running out of gas. They were shot. And then they met their match against a very hungry, a very talented Bengals team that, quite frankly, dog-walked them in Orchard Park. Now, I'm not here to say that had the Bills gone in that top seed in a full week of rest with a bye, that maybe things would have been differently. Well, I'm pretty confident they would have been. I think the Bills really needed to get that top seed and they really needed that week of physical and emotional rest. I think it would have did them wonders, but that's the way uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. You know, anyway, my point is this. Despite all that shit, despite it all, the Bills still won 13 games. They won 13-3, folks. And they were nine points combined throughout the season away from being undefeated. I mean, seriously. 13 games is the most they've won since they did it in 1991 and 1992. And by the way, it's also tied for the most regular season wins this team's had ever. So when you look at it with those glasses on and you look at it from that perspective, it was still a hell of a season for uh, the 2022 Buffalo Bills. All right, that's going to do it for the second part of a two-part series, highlighting the highlights and the lowlights of the 2022 Buffalo Bills. Thank you very much for listening, especially if you made it all the way through to the end. Like I said, doing these solo episodes from time to time are really difficult for me, but I keep throwing them out there. I keep doing it. Hopefully, uh, practice and repetition will make the solo episodes a little bit better, but you won't hear a solo episode on Friday because my man Aaron Quinn from Cover One will be joining me casual Friday like we do every week. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. And again, follow the show, audio, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're following it and then go on 
video side, go on YouTube, find Talking Buffalo, and hit the subscribe button there as well. Thanks, folks. Appreciate you, man. And I'll be back again, like I said, brand new episode coming soon. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.